Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus boldly proclaimed, If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. What a wonderful proclamation. What a bold promise. If Jesus sets you free, you are just that. You are free. That's what we celebrate this Reformation Sunday. That in Christ Jesus, we are set free from sin and death by His Word and by His work alone. We celebrate not only the rediscovery and refocus of this proclamation of Christ Jesus during the life and the ministry of Martin Luther in the 1500s, but we celebrate that freedom in Christ is proclaimed here and now in this day and in this age. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Freedom is longed for by those who are locked up. Freedom is elusive if you are incarcerated. But see, Jesus is not talking simply of physical chains in a first century prison. He is talking about being bound by sin and death. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever felt so bound in your sin that it felt like there were literal shackles fastened around your wrists? Have you ever suffered such despair over your complete inability to do what the Lord demands in the Ten Commandments? Have you ever been weighed down with a guilty conscience that prevents you from stepping outside of your room? Have you ever felt the crushing load of the law condemning you, locking you in a prison of fear and self-loathing, longing for the freedom you know that you can't produce? There's a German word that describes this, affektun. It's a word often used to describe Luther in his early years as a priest. Although he was living, a, 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 in a, a living his life in a holy order as an Augustinian monk, he felt that his life was far from holy. The more he heard about the righteousness of God, the, more, or the further he felt from him. The more he meditated on the commandments of the Lord, the more he was accused of being a lawbreaker. <clears throat> and he felt the shackles tighten. Luther described it this way. He wrote, I had indeed been captivated with an extraordinary ardor for, the under, for understanding Paul in the epistle to the Romans, but, there was, there, but up till then it was but a single word in chapter 1, verse 17. In it the righteousness of God is revealed. That stood in my way. For I hated that word, righteousness of God, regarding it as the act of righteousness for which God is righteous and that he punishes the unrighteous sinner. Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction, my, my works, my masses. I did not love. Yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. I was angry with God, and I said, 
As if, indeed, it is not enough that miserable sinners, eternally lost through original sin, are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law of the Decalogue, without having God add pain to pain by the gospel, and also by the gospel threatening us with his righteousness and his wrath. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. Nevertheless, I beat upon Paul at that place in Romans 1, most ardently desiring to know what St. Paul wanted. That's what Luther wrote. And he looked around to the church and he found that the church at that time offered him little comfort. Because instead of preaching Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins and that through faith in what Christ has done to set humanity free, the church at that time held out works that a person was supposed to do, like penance, indulgences, pilgrimages, all these things so that the person could gain their freedom. As Luther did these supposed good works, the greater the awareness of his sin became, and the more he did, the tighter the shackles became because he realized he just could never do enough. He was utterly and completely enslaved to sin and unable to free himself. So that's Luther. But contrast that with the gospel reading that we heard today. Clearly those Israelites, those religious leaders, did not know such a problem that, Lutheran, or that Luther had. They did not experience the, the affectune that Luther so many years later did. Instead of seeing their shackles of sin, well, they thought that they were free by birthright as Abraham's offspring. They scoffed the mention of, of being enslaved by someone. No, we're offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. They did not feel the chains of despair over their own ability to free themselves because, well, quite frankly, they believed that they were already free. But see, in doing so, they showed themselves to be the ones who trusted in their own righteousness, <clears throat> their own works, and their own ability to keep God's demands that were set forth in the Ten Commandments. So you have the, the Jewish people in Jesus' day who were so focused on, on, on the work of keeping the law and trusting in their heritage and their ancestry and their own righteousness that they didn't perceive the very real shackles of sin. And then you have Luther over here who was so hypersensitive to this struggle to keep the law that he felt strangled by the shackles of sin. For the Jews in his day, for Luther in his day, and for us in our day right now, the voice of Jesus proclaims, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus desires no one to perish, to remain bound and shackled in sin and death, but for all to trust in him. He graciously calls you to himself. For all who do not perceive the shackles of sin, he proclaims this, if anyone does one sin, 
well, then he's a slave to it. One little sin, one little white lie, one moment of greed, one little peak, one moment of envy, one small word of slander, one moment of pride, one flash of rage, one little sin reveals the hideous shackles that bind you. You must know your sin, confess your sin, repent of your sin, if it is that you hope to be freed from it. You must despair of your own works, your own works of trying to free yourself from it, for you will never do enough. Instead, you will suffer affectune all the more. Now, Jesus desires no one to remain shackled in their sin and all to trust in his work to set you free. Jesus is the only salvation from your sin. Jesus alone is the one who can set you free from sin. For if the, sin, if the Son sets you free, well, then you are free indeed. For this reason, Jesus carried the burdens of your guilt. He was bound by your sin. He was stricken and afflicted with the punishment. Well, that was rightly yours. He was crucified in your place, and he was buried in a tomb that should have held you. And in the cold, dead corpse of Jesus, lying in a stone sepulcher, was your sin. And there it remained. But as for Jesus, death and the tomb could not hold him. For on the third day, your sin, my sin, was still there in the tomb, but not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for he is risen. And that changes everything. He shattered the shackles of your sin as he suffered your death. And in his resurrection, he has brought freedom to light. The freedom purchased and won by the work of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave has been delivered to each and every one of you in the waters of holy baptism. As you have been baptized into Christ, well, you have been set free by the Son. And so you are free indeed. Now your life is found in Christ Jesus alone. Christ Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, the Word made flesh, revealed at once that once set free, true disciples remain in Christ by His Word and by His sacraments. Not free to despise the Ten Commandments, but rather to be given the power of the Holy Spirit to live them out as Christ Himself lives and abides in you as you have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, well, you are set free to enter God's Sabbath rest from your pathetic attempts to free yourselves from the fulfillment of his demands. Right? For that freedom was won for you on the cross, where Christ fulfilled the commandments for you. And so in baptism, the Son sets you free, and he makes you right before God. Not by your works, but by his. Faith clings to Christ and his work to set you free and make you righteous. Reflecting on this, Luther once wrote, there are two kinds of, right, of Christian righteousness. The first 
is an alien righteousness. That is the righteousness of another instilled from without. This is the righteousness of Christ by which he justifies through faith, as it is written in 1 Corinthians 1, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. This righteousness, then, is given to men in baptism, and whenever they are truly repentant, Therefore, a man can with confidence boast in Christ and say, Mine are Christ's living, doing, and speaking, His suffering and dying. Mine as much as if I had lived, done, spoken, suffered, and died as He did. Just as a bridegroom possesses all that is his bride's and she all that is his, for the the two have all things in common because they are one flesh, Well, so Christ and the church. They're one spirit. Therefore, everything which Christ has is ours. Graciously bestowed on us unworthy men and women out of God's sheer mercy. Although we have rather deserved wrath and condemnation and hell also. Through faith in Christ, therefore, Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness. And all that he has becomes ours. Rather, he himself becomes ours. Therefore, the apostle calls it the righteousness of God in Romans 1.17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written. The righteous shall live by his faith. And finally, in the same epistle, chapter 3, such a faith is called the righteousness of God. So we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. See, Luther rejoiced in the freedom that came through Christ's righteous work on his behalf. It meant for him no more penance, no more indulgences, no more pilgrimages. For as Christ in his death and resurrection has set me free, he reasoned, well then I am truly free, he believed. No more trying to loose the bonds of sin by myself, for Christ has set me free by his work in my baptism. And now is one set free. He keeps me free by the same word, and in the supper he graciously gives. No longer, Luther says, am I a slave to sin, though I daily sin. Instead, I am a slave to Christ. And in his righteousness, I find true freedom. I pray, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that you also rejoice in the freedom that Jesus, God's own Son, brings to you as well. For you are set free to confess your sin, to repent of your sin, and to trust fully in Jesus' work to set you free. You have been baptized into Christ. He has clothed you with his righteousness. Your shackles to sin and death, they have been shattered. And now you are graciously united to Jesus in a bond of love and faith that lasts forever. The Son has set you free. You are free indeed. See, that's what we celebrate this Reformation Sunday. That is why we celebrate the Reformation 
Give thanks to God Almighty that the voice of Jesus is boldly proclaimed in our day here in Bloomington, in the day of Luther in Germany, in the day of the Jews in Jerusalem and long before. God had a plan of reform, a plan of rescue, a plan of salvation and of liberation. As it was then, it is today. Jesus, the Son, sets us free from slavery to sin and death by his righteous work. And so, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, in whom we have freedom. Amen.